And um, amazed how the Lord does this, and never I never cease to amaze me how He does His business. And up to about a couple of hours ago, I was determined I was going to go in one direction, but then God just seemed to just turn everything and every everything this evening has been about uh, this truth that I would like to share tonight. Let me say this. Now I want you to always remember this. It's not the person that delivers the truth. It is that the truth is what's important. I hope I never forget that. Amen. I, I, want, to, I want to always be reminded that God is the God that has the truth. He knows, he knows exactly where you're at tonight. He knows exactly what you need. And the only thing that hinders that is much like what Bill said, our stubborn pride that won't allow us to humble ourselves and accept that help and move on. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, if you've got your places, stand together. Galatians 4 verse 4, And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. You'll need not turn to it, but Luke 2, 7 says, She brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. The title of the message is this. The God of every circumstance... The Lord doesn't even have a crib. There's no room. And yet, tonight if we can just see the sovereign hand of God in this whole business, we will learn perhaps that there's no circumstance in your life or my life tonight that he's not in control of. Oh my. If we could, if we could grasp that, if we could grasp that, it would literally change our lives forever. He's the God of every circumstance. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Gene Keller, how about you praying? Yes. Oh, yes. Help us. Help us.
Oh, yes. Granny God. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord, yes. obeyed the Lord if you testified and done what the Lord wanted you to do. Amen, yes. 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 Amen. Bless her. Amen, bless your Lord. Mm. Amen. 
Luke 2, 7 is so familiar. Usually the setting is Mary and Joseph watching as Jesus is sleeping in a clean wooden feeding trough. Glowing lights surrounding the baby Jesus. The straw is fresh. The stars are twinkling. The cattle and the sheep are resting and the faithful donkeys are watching. Shepherds and wise men come and bow before the baby in the manger. It's interesting, this scene's not allowed by today in any government property. It tears them up. Uh, but the reality is, that's not what that night really was. It wasn't very peaceful. It wasn't very clean. As a matter of fact, the Son of God comes to an earth. He's born in a stable because there was no room in the end. I don't know about you, but I'm a thinker. I think all the time. I think my mind's like a computer. just goes and goes and goes. And... Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure my precious wife and, and especially my associate, well, he thinks it all. Amen. But anyway, I, my, my, my God, thinking all the time. And I read these words and I can't help but wonder, why was there not no room for him? I mean, he deserves the best the world has. He come from heaven to earth and ends up in a stable? Man, how, how can that be? I find myself saying, God, couldn't you have done any better than that? I know you have all power. Couldn't you have chosen a, a better time in a better place? But you chose a stable. And I'll be honest, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why is it happening this way? Why is there no room in the end? Bethlehem is a fairly large Arab town located about seven or eight miles from Jerusalem today. But then... It was one of the most least important towns. That time, there was a few shepherds lived there, a few farmers lived there, a few merchants. And really and truly, it was only famous because it was King David's hometown. Caesar Augustus in Rome decreed that a census was to be taken so that taxes could be collected. The scene of this day that it was, the world was in a, a very wicked state. Taxes were monumental. The Caesars had, had taxed the people to no end. Sound familiar? Had taxed the people to no end. And one of the reasons Caesar is doing this census is really to gain more taxes but the truth of the matter is, God's in behind all this thing. God's in behind all of it. 
census required all the Jewish males to go back to the hometowns to register. Joseph, being the descendant from David, has to make his return to Bethlehem. And Mary is in her final stages to giving birth. And God arranged all of it. Just the right way and just the right time. Mary and Joseph arrived where the prophet Micah said several hundred years before in Micah 5 2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathi, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come he come forth for unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. This wasn't by chance. This was the hand of God. And I stand amazed. Part of the problem that we face today is understanding what revolves around the room in. When we think of in, we think of Hampton in, Holiday in, we think of of running water, nice rooms, three, four-story buildings and lobbies and coke machines and hot showers. And that's what we think about when we think of the word in. But in this time, it, it was totally something totally different. Traveling was dirty, it was difficult, and it was very dangerous. Travelers needed only two things. They needed safety and security. And the places of men were simply that. They were buildings, if you, if you will, that they could come and rest safely during the night. Indoor plumbing was not an option. And if you don't know what that means, come talk to me afterwards and I'll tell you. How many of you does know what an outside toilet is? Amen. Boy, don't, boy, I tell you, if you ever got a hold of that, you'll appreciate running water. Amen. I mean, two o'clock in the morning, you got diarrhea and it's dark. That's not, that's not good. Not good. Not good at all. And, uh, I'm, see, I'm not the only one that's been there. Amen. Indoor plumbing was not an option. And these buildings were literally, in Luke 2, used the fact of two places spoke of the inn. The first one was a small building dedicated to serving travelers. One end of the building, they would keep the donkeys and the horses and the sheep. And for a fee, the innkeeper would allow you to sleep on a rough mattress on the floor. He also kept the fire going and provided food for the animals. But the end. This was the type of inn that the Bible says in Luke 10, 34 about the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan and he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That's the kind of inn that that was. But wow, that 
That wasn't the kind of end that Jesus was born in. There was another end. It was even smaller and simpler. Animals would be kept in a stable. And usually there were a cave in a hillside to keep them from wandering around in the night. And it was just a small, out-of-the-way place. This was kind of the end that Jesus went to. But yet, there was no room for him there. And so he was forced to move to the stable. It's not a stable as you and I think of today. Most of, in most cases, it was nothing more than a hewn out hole in a rock in the mountain. And that was where they would keep the animals. It wasn't clean. I wonder why there was no room. Perhaps it was full that night. Simply the stenches were going on. The town was packed with people. And simply there was no room. Perhaps they were poor and they just couldn't pay. Perhaps seeing that Mary was pregnant, he said, man, there ain't no way. I'm on her in my end delivering a child. And, and, and disturbing my other guest. The Bible really doesn't give, elaborate on the reason why there was no room. But you know, from a human standpoint, that just doesn't make sense to me. Jesus deserves better. God, I find myself, could you not have done better? Then I begin to understand that God says, yes, I could have, but I'm doing it this way. We must believe that God ordained it, and He ordained that there would be no room in the end. He ordained that they would go back to Bethlehem. He ordained a very time that they would go knowing exactly when she would give birth. Wow. It couldn't have happened any other way. And one of the great truths, Bill, you said it so right. Gabriel, you do need to know that that was not an accident in the sight of God. He kept you safe. He kept you safe. And God ordains these things. He ordained the senses. Do you understand? This journey would have been about 90 miles. And she's about ready to give birth. I'm amazed at that. They come to the stable. There's no privacy, no sanitation, very little protection from the elements. Charles Spurgeon said, there simply was no room for Christ in the end. 
So I asked the question, why was there no room? First of all, I believe Christ was born like this. Because where else would a lamb be born? John 1, 36, And also looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world. Do you realize where else? Lambs weren't born in inns. Lambs weren't born in palaces. Where else would it be fitting for a lamb to be born but in a stable? Second, it would be fitting for Jesus because He would come to serve. He laid aside His royal garments when He left glory. He laid aside all that He was and took on the robe of flesh he laid aside everything to come to be like us and to be a servant. He didn't come to be so He came to serve. He came to serve. Nothing is more fitting for Christ to be born in a manger since He laid aside all of His glory to take on the form of a servant. Third, He was born like His... Because the poor and the outcast knew that Jesus was one of them the way he came into this world. As a matter of fact, in the eyes of the poor, the imperial robes excited no one. Excited, the royal garb excited no one. They, they felt when they seen that, that they was totally distanced from them. Jesus came, born in a no room in the stable, so that the poor, the whosoever will, can come unto him. You realize tonight, he was born that way so you and I could come. I don't know about where you was at when God saved you. But God saved me at Iker's Grove Baptist Church. Just a little old boy. I didn't have nothing. I didn't have two nickels to run together, to, to rub together. Amen. But that blessed day I could come to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and ask Him to save me. Had He been born in royalty, we would have been excluded because He came and born in a manger. Says I could come, anybody could come to a stable, amen. Anyone and everyone was invited to come. His, his birth was an invitation to the rejected, to the abused, to the mistreated, to the forgotten, the overlooked could come. Unto him for salvation. Let me help you tonight. The worst sinner that you could imagine, if they'll come to Jesus, believing and trusting him as their Lord and Savior, he'll save them. Amen. 
He'll save them. Oh, I find as we, we might approach a palace and a throne and with fear, and, and with fear would never approach it. But may I say this tonight, he came so that we could approach him without fear to a manger. Being laid in a manger, he proved himself to a priest taken from among men, one who suffered like his brethren. I want you to understand on that first, first Christmas day, Jesus took on the form of us, but with no sin, so he would understand everything there is about you. Did you hear that? I, I, across this room, there is not any circumstance or any situation in your life that the Lord don't understand. Some of you say, I would talk to someone, but they will never understand. There's someone that does understand exactly where you are. He come robed in flesh that He might understand us, that He might know our heartaches, our troubles, our, 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 our struggles. He might know our fears. He might know our challenges. He might know what life holds for us. He came to be us, but with no sin. With no sin. He had to be born like this. It couldn't have happened any other way. A place to him in a feeding trough. The only cross that a baby can bear. They placed him in a feeding trough just made of wood and it's the only cross that a baby could bear. My, my. For our sakes, he was born a stranger in an open stable. He lived without a place of his own wherein to lay his head. Sustained by charity of good people, he died naked on an old wooden cross and literally embraced poverty. And God appointed that feeding trough to show me and you that He was born to die in our place. It had to be. When He said there's no room in the end, it had to be. It had to be. But what are we to learn from this? And this is really the thrust of the message. First, we need to learn God uses circumstances that made no sense at the time in order to accomplish His purpose. You try to box God in. You try to box God in to work in, in a way that you understand and you'll miss God. Because He works in circumstances that from a human point of view make no sense at all. No room in the end seems like a small detail, but I assure you it wasn't a small detail to Joseph and Mary. No room in the end. And a baby's coming 
must have been devastating. Must have been. No room would test their faith to the limit. I seen something today I'd never saw before. And the baby was born and she wrapped it in swaddling clothes. She gave birth and there wasn't even no one there to help her with the baby. You ladies that had children, can you understand that? Can you understand that? I've never had a child. I don't don't know if I totally understand that, but can you understand that? She gave birth, and then she had to wrap her own child and lay him in a manger. God uses circumstances. They don't make any sense. It don't make any sense why things happen in our lives sometimes. Matter of fact, sometimes it don't make any sense for years to come. And sometimes they never make sense. In our no room moments, rather than trying to explain the ways of God, instead of trying to answer unanswerable questions, the thing we need to do is just trust. And have a faith to believe a God that does all things well. That does all things well. When we simply don't understand. Psalms 115, 3, But our God is in heaven. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. God is good and He's just and merciful. His ways are not our ways and He makes no mistakes and He does whatever He pleases. And sometimes God, I I read in the Bible, I read the story of Job and you'll never find where God really explains Himself to Job. He never gives Job the why. He never tells Job why. He never tells Job the battle that's raging uh, raging with Satan and, and God in heaven. And God's already the winner. And Job's just a piece moving around on the boat. He never tells him the, the story. But Job said, But lo, he's slain me. I'll trust him. Second, we're to learn. Don't miss this. We could ever get here. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've thought about it so many times. If we could, if we could ever tonight to grasp a faith. I, I'm not, and I'm not talking about um, um, simple, simple things. I'm talking about. If we could ever grasp the faith to believe that God wasted nothing. 
God wastes nothing. And if we ever get a hold of the fact that God, over circumstance in our life, there's a truth, there's a purpose, there's a work that God wants to do in us and for us and through us. Now that's challenging. That's challenging. And that's especially challenging tonight. If you live for this world, if your, if your goal is to get more money, to get more stuff, get more things, to live more for this world. And by the way, there's nothing, nothing wrong with those things. What's wrong is when they become your God and become that that you worship. That's when they become wrong. But if you're very worldly minded, this message will not make any sense to you. But if there's an ounce of God in your, your say, every circumstance, every, every, every turn in this story, God has got a purpose. Second, we learn this. The world still has no room for Christ then or now. We better, we better get a hold of this. In John 1 11, he came to his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came to a people that should have been looking for him. Prophecy was given hundreds of times. They read about him. They talked about him in the temple. They were looking for him. But when he came, he came to his own, and they received him not. And by the way, the world is still exactly in that place. The world still has no room for Jesus then or now. Third thing we learn is this. The Savior's birth pictured the whole course of his life. He was an outsider in every sense. He came from outside this earth... He was born outside the inn and he died outside of the city walls. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The whole course of our Savior's life, he was an outsider. And may I say this, he still is an outsider in this world. Fourth, we learn this. Just as there's no room for Jesus, if you're saved, born again, washed in the blood, and if you choose to serve him, there'll be no room for us either. How many of you get the feeling the more we live on this earth, the more we're out of place. We don't fit anymore. We just don't fit anymore. Uh, and, and when I was younger, I don't know what the teenage language is today, but when I was young, they used to call you square. How many remember that? If you was odd, you was called square. And uh, I don't know what the, the term now is. Some Probably some crazy thing, amen. But you were called square. And, and you know what? I like that title. Because square pegs don't fit good in round worlds. 
And God has created us a city that's four square. Square pegs fit just fine up there. Amen. See, the more we serve Him, there was no room in the end for Him. But don't miss this. There was no room for Joseph or Mary either. See, there's no, if you are saved, there'll be no room for you in this world. And may I say, that is becoming so, so real. Luke 2, 7, she wrapped, she brought him forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swollen clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. No room for Jesus, no room for Mary, no room for Joseph. Mark 8, 34, when he had called people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So we come to the end of the story. Sequence of events that took place is astounding. The census, 90 mile journey, no room in the inn, no crib for a bed. The feeding trough and swaddling clothes. All planned by God, though it all appeared to happen by chance. A little boy was chosen to play the innkeeper in the Christmas play. He had only one line. He practiced and practiced there's no room in the end. That's all he had to say. The night of the play, the door knocked. The boy opened it. There stood Joseph and Mary. And she was pregnant. And without warning, with the sight of Mary, he brought out. There's no room in the inn, but you can have my room. They thought, they thought that the pageant was ruined. Others thought it was the best one ever. Little boy told the frustrated director, I just couldn't send Jesus away. I had to find a place for Jesus. Spurgeon preached on his text. He said, even as an infant laid in a manger, he was a sinner's friend. Come to him, all you that are weary and heavy laden. Come to him, all you that are broken in spirit. Come to him, all you that despise others, or even yourself. Come to Him, publicans, harlots. Come to Him, thief and drunkards. Come to Him, the wickedest in the manger. There He lies, unguarded from your touch and unshielded from your gaze. Bow the knee, kiss the Son of God, accept Him as your Savior. For he put himself in a manger that you may approach him. Here tonight, here's the good news. 
no matter, no matter what your circumstance is, you can come to him. He's made a way. You know what that Christmas is all about? It's for God coming to earth and making a way for you and me. Greatest thing you could do is bring all of that care, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. The greatest thing you could do tonight, and the greatest gift you could give, is to come up and just unload your soul and leave it there and leave and serve God. Didn't say we'd understand everything. Didn't say we'd understand all the circumstances of life. But I can tell you this much. I know the God of every circumstance. And He's still on the throne. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Tonight, whatever your need might be, tonight, would you not just, just give it to Him?